On this episode, we talked to John Frith. He is the organizer of the Yukon 1000. He's a former British military, and he's done numerous expeditions across the world. Um, with the Yukon 1000 coming in July, we thought it would be good to catch up with the man himself and see how things are shaping up. If you are racing this year, there are some great bits of knowledge you could use to be a little bit more prepared. So please enjoy as we dive a little deeper into the world's longest canoe race. Aloha and good morning and welcome back to the Wicked Aloha podcast. My name is Will Rich and I am joined by my partner Patrick, Patrick Brummel. And on today's episode, we are talking with John Frick. He's one of the organizers of the Yukon 1000. You've heard us talk about it multiple times. So welcome, John. Welcome. Oh, cheers. Thank you. And welcome to your space. Yeah, Thank you. Um, so, John, where are you right now? So I'm currently uh, in the UK, uh, in a place called Winchester, which is a really old place, um, uh, about an hour and a half outside London. Yeah, okay. I live in, I live in a tiny little village. Uh, church is about a thousand years old, and not much else is here. Wow, are you from there? No, originally I'm from the north of England, uh, just below where the wall is, where we tried to keep the Scots out, but it, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, Scotch or Irish whiskey, or do you drink? I, I, I don't. I don't really drink. Uh, if you want pretty sea salt, but I will have a, a, a little whiskey now and again, and I, I fluctuate. I'm, so I was a Scotch whiskey until the summer, and whenever I do an expedition, I take a bottle with me, uh, just to break bread with heavy you, heavy with it. Lays gets rid of things, and I took an Irish peaty whiskey called uh, Albeg, and it, yeah, it breaks up that horrible taste in Yukon water, as you as you well know. <laughs> Man, I guess that peated stuff would probably be right up there with some of that brown river water. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that peat. It's, some of it's all right, but when it's just super heavy duty, it's, man. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's sort of quite, as you get older, your taste buds change, don't they? You, yeah. Yeah. But normally, other than that, I'm pretty teetotal. Yeah. It's not really for me. Nice. So, John, tell us a little bit about yourself because I'm sure not many people are familiar with your name. Um, yeah, and just kind of tell us, you know, we, we know we know where you came from, but uh, tell us about your background and how that led up to your involvement with the Yukon 1000. I guess what's your story? So uh, yeah, I guess uh, being a bit candid and honest, so I'm a military man. Uh, I've, I've been I've served in the military a long time, and um, I was probably like most long-serving soldiers. I got to a stage in life where I was probably paid for what I know and not what I do, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. uh, I struggle with that. I've, I've never got the concept of uh, age being a barrier. It's never really been a thing. Uh, you know, and certainly if you're going by the Yukon 1000s, you know, it, it is no barrier. Uh, in fact, you know, my belief is as you get older, you get a bit more endurance in the tank. Things might hurt more the next day, but you, you can keep going longer. And so anyway, I, if I'm honest, uh, probably a few internal issues and as much as uh, I needed some somewhere to get the fix that um, no longer I was getting on operations because I was uh, planning and stuff, I was doing a different job. And so I, I missed it, although I didn't know at the time I missed it. 
So I got to about 38 years old and I was looking to do something. I was going to walk to the pole on my own. Uh, I was going to do something. But I didn't want to fall into the sort of, you know, CV, box ticking, LinkedIn type, hey, look at me, everybody. Uh, it was not, that wasn't the reason I was doing it. And then uh, um, I guess I, I've done these things privately in my own time for a while. And every couple of years, keeps me sane. Uh, and I'll go out and I'll do something pretty remote and different um, and sort of consider myself an all-rounder. I'll give anything a go. And then uh, I guess that's how I fell into the Yukon 1000. I saw this race advertised. Um, it was different. I knew nothing about canoeing and still wouldn't call myself a, a paddler. And, um, <laughs> and uh, I saw this race and I was like, okay. Uh, and I like the whole con concept of mastery. You know, I like focusing what I learned in the military, that mission mindset of really planning and getting into the detail and taking that into an expedition or a challenge. And um, I saw this race. I rang the guy up and I said at the time, it was a chap called Peter Coates who owned it. He was the founder, uh, who was a fascinating guy in himself. And uh, I rang him up and said, listen, I, you know, I think I can come do the race, uh, but I've never paddled um, and uh, let's give it a go. And so, um, so I went to the race. And uh, uh, the same experience as you guys, um, you know, it's a challenge in all sorts of ways and, and it will test everybody, even the most sort of hardened of athlete or, or, or planner. And it, and it, it takes all the boxes, it's a great race. But when I came back, I sort of buried it and then I thought I'll move on to the next chapter. But like you guys will know more than me at the time, um, the sort of work, the way the world is now uh, and the needs of what uh, the generation behind me or us want it's changed. And so people wanted to hear my story. They wanted to know about it. Other people who did the race sort of spoke about uh, mine and my partner, Archie's strengths. And we, we couldn't paddle, but we had a, a strict routine and we had, you know, good kit and nothing. We, we, we our boats pretty wet, much weighed nothing. And, and, uh, next thing you know, a couple of people started reaching out to me, talking to me, etc. And then, uh, I guess my career in the military was coming to an end, um, it's sort of um, evolved then into sort of corporate leadership and management and expedition type stuff. So I ended up doing a couple of expeditions and then um, uh, I got all the Pete Copes to help me out with some stuff. And uh, I said to him, hey, you know, what are you doing with the thousands? Um, a few people asked me about it and he said he's getting to an age where it's difficult to manage and he's also got the Yukon River Quest. Um, that, uh, it, it was just too much trouble and it's worth and you know, pushing across the border can be a little bit more complex as well. So he said, why don't you give it a, why don't you give it a go? And so uh, I was like, yeah, okay, I've got the time and space, I'll give it a go. And then uh, I took over it. Um, Harry, as you met, came and helped me out on that one, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much on my own now. I am on my own. I run the first one as a trial, took no more than 15 teams, and um, we're on to the next one this year. So nice. uh, that's pretty much the story. How many teams have you got signed up this year? So um, I guess working back from that, so logistically, you guys know um, it's a real challenge. It's the end of getting people out of the, out the end. So you've got about it, – it's all down on trailers and what you can, what you can lift out of the end. And it, it's also a hell of a long road journey. Uh, and I promise you the road journey is as epic getting out as it is paddling. Really? And, uh, and, and those, those rivets, you know, with the, with the permafrost melting and the ground undulating and – it's pretty hard on the boats. And so Peter was having problems when he did the race of he was returning boats and they were damaged from the road journey. And so 
nobody would rent the boats and it became a bit of a logistical nightmare and that that's a sense the real problem so i managed to track down a trailer that can hold 30 plus a trailer that can hold 10 and so 40 teams is maximum but if i'm honest I don't think I'd ever take it, even if I had the capacity and the load to do it. I wouldn't take more than 40 because you don't want it crowded out there. You know, you want to be yeah. on your own. You want the experience. You want to be on your own island at night. You know, you don't want to be, you can have, you know, you guys have lived it. So you'll be, you'll be in your own classification of, at the front, the meet at the middle or the back. And you'll be in your own little duel with other teams, but you don't want that to get crowded out where your space on the river is. Um, and so I, I think any more than that, would, would kind of ruin the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and let's do something and do it well is my sort of philosophy on this sort of stuff. Um, and don't, don't get it too big. So 40 teams. And so I, I had a friend uh, who used your great footage that you donated, who is a great producer for sports documentaries, mainly rugby, uh, does some stuff for the All Blacks. He's going to come out with me this summer. Um, and... Um, uh, he he made a little video for me and put it out there and wow what a game changer what really game changer. yeah so I think for this year maybe I'm touching two thousand teams applied two thousand two thousand teams yeah holy yeah. shit yeah there's, and so I think so that means that means that there's four thousand people who are tapped in the head like we are that want to yeah. put themselves through that <laughs> pain <laughs> yeah no grant no granted it's absolutely amazing that these people apply. And, and there's a percentage of that, maybe a third, that just see the commercial and they just go, I want to do this. Uh, and, and they they don't have the skill sets. You know, they just they don't. And, and so, therefore, there's, there's quite a, a lengthy screening process. The worst thing could happen on this race is someone dies. And that, that would mortify me. I've, I've had a career sort of seeing plenty of that, and I would hate to have it on something like this. It may happen. It's inevitable that there will be an accident at some point, but... If I can save people from themselves a little bit, then that's great. And so there's a third of that that um, they're just not the right people, or they've sadly they've just looked at the then uh, they've gone to the river quest, looked at river quest, and thinking I can do this, and, and they mix us up a bit, and they don't look at the race, and or they think that it's just about paddling, um, and they sort of think that at night there'll be a, a station where somebody will meet them and give them a Gatorade and a, and some food and say, hey, you sleep here, that's your space until they really do the sort of dig into it and have a good look. And that's where you guys come into it. You help it by doing this. There isn't much information up there. Uh, and having been up there this summer again, even be on the bridge, it's just, there's no, there's nothing. It's really hard to find stuff out up there um, uh, and, and get detailed information. But um, so you get, so probably a third are like that. And then um, to be honest, the rest are some impressive people. You know, we've got double, double Olympic gold medalists. Wow. We've got, yeah, we've got some impressive people from around the world that, that, that come and do it. So I've got it to narrow it down to 40. And so I, I, I'm keeping it at that. I'm not buckling. And then, uh, and then you know, I'm not keeping holding anybody in reserve. You know, they're 40. And then if you apply next year, then you've got to go through the same process again. So I'm, I'm making it fair. Clearly now, if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a vet of the UCOM 1000, you know, I'm going to push you right to the front of the queue because you know what you're doing. You're an asset to the race. You're an asset to the community and to safety. You know, it's going to push you right up there. That's just that's just how it is. Um, I'd be silly not to take a thousand person straight at the, the top again. So, so yeah, it's it's massive. It's bigger than I expected, um, and that's just through a bit of Facebook and, and, and a couple of video clips. So, yeah. So, so without giving away too many too many of your own thoughts or secrets. 
what kind of things are you using in your vetting process? Because I know when when Patrick and I applied, we, uh, you know, I, I thought our, our resumes were pretty good. And I still didn't think that, you know, we were going to be accepted into it. Uh, so, like, w- especially with the broad range of people who are, um, who are applying and, and looking to get into the race, kind, kind of what are some things that, that you pinpoint as, as good, good assets, bad liabilities, things like that? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. Actually, I dug out your, uh, I dug, dug out your applications and I had a read over the weekend. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it made a good reading. Um, and I think, so I've got a really grown up view about it. Okay. And so if, if, if it's, I'm going to be honest, if it's about you and you've got an ego, I'm probably not going to take you. You know, people that are hell for leather, they're doing this because they've got an ego. And I feel like they're just all out for themselves. And I've got any doubt about them. I'm not going to, I don't really care about your background. And you guys know this because you can get stuck into this race and you can think it's all about paddling. That's, that's maybe half of it. If, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you've got to be, yeah. you've got to be every bit confident off the boat as you are off the boat. And, and, and again, even people who, do the race and it's not till they get to the end and then maybe relook at the maps and have a bit of reflection time to go, man, we were really out in the wild there. You know, if, if, if help is coming, it's taken a long time if it can get to you at all. Yeah. Um, and so those people that sort of are quite, quite humbled and say, listen, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, but these are the reasons why I'd like to do it. So we've got some people with not much, if any paddle time. When I did the thousand, I'd probably had about five hours in the bank before I did the thousand. Um, but people say, look, I love the outdoors, love the community. I've got this, this, and this, but if you accept me, this is what I plan to do between now and then. Uh, and these are the people I know, and this is what I'll talk to. And this, there's an element of risk, and I may get the judgment wrong, um, but it's kind of in the wording of how people sort of chase it, if you know what I mean. If, mm-hmm. if you just say, you know, I get people who go, I have done all this, so therefore I'm a must. You should take me. Well, that's not going to be a good start. And so there are people that go, I've climbed, I've climbed all the mountains in the world. And so uh, I'd be an asset to your race and I've got a big social media following. You should you should accept me. And I've had a couple of celebrities that have sent applications with that kind of approach. And I'm just right-click delete, you know, no way. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't uh, you know, I, I'm not in it for the social media. I'm not in it for, you know, uh, it doesn't work like that. And it's, it's people that can... People can fit into that community. You know as well as I do. You know when you walk away from this, it's not just the race; it's the people you meet, and it's and it's a great community, and uh, and that extends to the river and your your own safety blanket within the river. And if there's people with with egos that aren't that sort of stop and help people, you know we, that are just hey, it's me and this finish line, and we don't want them on it. Yeah. It's, it's my take. So I don't know. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, there was a there was a time when we were. Um, and that are, it probably goes one of a few ways, but when we were doing kit check the, the day before the race, there was the one team that ended up dropping out and they seemed to be, I don't know if it was you actually being more critical of them or them not being prepared, but there seemed to be, you seem to be putting an extra amount of attention on those guys. And I don't know if it was something that you saw or because they were completely unorganized, but it, it was like you sensed something was there and they were the one team that ended up, dropping out i don't know if there was a coincidence there or it was just yeah no, no I'll, I'll sort of talk about that team so that team 
I just could feel it. It's one of those things, a long, long experience. I could feel when somebody's not taking it quite seriously. Yeah. And actually, they were, they were really good people. And when they, what, what I didn't want to happen is what happened is they capsized. They weren't prepared enough for it. Another team then essentially saved them um, and sort of pulled alongside them and uh, built a fire, got them warmed up, got they were hypothermic and turned them around. And, and they were good people. When they got out, they said to me, "Hey, the, the, the one advice, I, the one saying I had." in the military that extends to this this game is complacency is your enemy. When you cut corners, when you don't plan, when you're complacent, bad things happen. Yeah. And uh and, and that was, you know, that they they said that you're you're right. We got complacent. We do this all the time. And we thought the Yukon was like every river we we paddled, because they were good paddlers, those guys. They could yeah, steer, yeah. they when they got it going, they could move. Yeah. Um but their kind of kit was everywhere once it got wet and it got a bit hypothermic. They sort of it it re-energized the danger for them, and um, once they got to Dawson, they they were like, okay, let's 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 come back and try this another year. And sadly, that, they actually, they were good people. They tried they reapplied this year, but it, they applied too late, um, and, and I'd, I'd already got the, the forty. So yeah, yeah. And you and you gave them the option of continuing on at Dawson, right? But only they were a day or two behind. No. So I was really worried about them, and I intercepted them down at Carmack. So I wouldn't normally do that. It took me a little bit behind the race. And so, because uh, we had a sub board, and we, we launched out at Carmax to, to see if they were all right, because uh, we had a satellite phone call from the other team that helped them. And um, and they were worried that there'd be a time penalty, but we, we, no problems. We, we added that time back to them. And um, uh, and so we saw them there, and they, they were pretty shocked when they pulled over. And, we, you know, they, they sort of thought, we're too far off the back. We won't make the cutoff at, um, at Dawson. I said, look, you know, let's be realistic. You will make the cutoff if you want to this time. We did a quick time analysis and it goes against everything in me to support people. But, um, uh, yeah, we gave them a quick chat and, and off they went. And But they decided then to – I didn't see them at Dawson. They pulled out and called me. So by then I was over in Alaska. Um, but they said, they said we, we, that's us. Um, we're cold, wet and tired. We haven't got it right. Uh, we haven't recovered from that, and um, and, and that complacency had, had caught up with them, really. And so, wow. if it if it extends to that, and and I remember the inspection, I'm I'm pretty brutal with inspection because it needs to be fair, you know. Yeah. Pretty, it needs to be fair, you know. And and it's as essentially, I'm telling the insurance company that are insuring the race that everybody has this kit. Mm-hmm. So if it then transpires they haven't got the kit and they die, you know then it's 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 me on the line and it's the race. Right, right. So you know, I essentially do the do the uh, risk assessment that goes to the company that says everybody's got this kit, the competent users in this kit, um, and they will have this. So, yeah, and, and if, if you you know if if you can't produce the kit, then um, you know you're on the back foot before you start the race. Yeah. So, you know, as whereas I remember you guys because uh, I'm a kit pest. Everyone's like, oh, I like that kit. I like that kit. You guys had like loads of paddles, and you had a, a sub paddle. <laughs> Sub panel conversion. Yeah, you, but you guys, and you will. You'll sort of in that position. You'll focus on the teams that you can instantly look at the team and go, "They're they're ready. They've got the gear. They're prepared." And you can instantly see the people that are just stuff everywhere. And you're like, "I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on you guys." Yeah, uh, um, I think we had a few items that weren't present there, but you let us slide. So I think I think I think you nailed it when people's intentions and their and their. Uh, I don't know what the word, yeah, intention probably, or they're, they, you know, if they're committed and, and ready, I think. And yeah. at some level, I guess it comes down to, like you said, it's it's a gut decision. You just kind of have to throw the dice on everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. You do, and you have to be you have to be a bit brutal. And if I'm honest, I learned from that. Um, and so I'll, I'll I'll tighten up even a little bit more this summer. Uh, I'll be a bit a little bit less forgiving around it. You know, you you'll, if you're missing those items, you know, you've got an hour to come back to me with them. Um, right, right. And I'll tighten it up, especially after that incident, because they were pretty shaken up, and and you guys know well as I do. And having been back out there this summer, that first segment of water is it's pretty cold. Yeah, you know, it's pretty cold until, until it starts to sort of get downhill a bit, lose a bit of altitude. It's pretty cold water, and, if, and it's a big expanse of water. And if you're yeah. out there training water in that for an hour before you hit the, the shore, you're gonna be you're gonna be on mm-hmm. the and if it, hopefully it's not raining and it's yeah you could you could easily go wrong up there. And so yeah, I think swim. yeah. So I was up there this summer, and they lost about along the river. Maybe about six people died. Holy so, crap! Wow. Yeah, yeah. About three or four up near the flats. Um, when you've got time to stop and speak to people, it, it, the areas may be a little bit more dangerous than you think at times. Um, yeah. Yeah, so there was some bad weather at the flats this summer, some big waves coming in, took some people by surprise. Um, no, it's, it's pretty easy to see how quickly things could go south for somebody, if especially yeah. if you capsize, because if you capsize and you have a yard sale, that river is moving at anywhere from – you know, seven to 13 miles an hour and things get spread out and you're just kind of flailing around in the river. And then you might have, you might have, you know, a couple hundred yards swim to the, to the bank. And that doesn't include picking up all your shit. So, you know, and then you lose one important thing and next thing you know, it's, it's game over. So, and if that important thing, it just happens to be the satellite phone or, the, mm. the help button, then uh, it's it's not going to be a good day for you, and tomorrow is not going to be a good day either. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, there were some moments out there, and you know you've done it a few times now, but there are some moments when you get out into those places, like once you get past Fort Yukon, and and you're just you know you're one you're one kind of moment where you let your guard down away from what could, could be complete disaster. Yeah. You know, you just, you fall asleep and you roll the boat and you get stuck in the boat or whatever. And it's, it's, uh, I mean, in all the joy, I mean, in the beauty and the, and the, and the expanse of the race and all the amazing stuff, there are those times when you sit there and you realize that you're in that, you know, I think a lot of people could look at it and be like, Oh yeah, whatever. It's just, they're hyping it up. It's exposed and it's self-supported, but having experienced it when you get out there, it's like, it's no joke. It's, 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 it's a real, one of the few life and death kind of scenarios you can put yourself in, in an organized fashion in this day and age. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty serious. And it it really is. So, you know, I wanted to make a few changes to the race this year. I wanted to bring as much safety in as I could, but without it being obvious. And so I don't want trail boats and stuff like that. Um, but I was like, okay, what 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 really happens in some of the remote, remote places um, if if something goes south and somebody's in big trouble? And uh, so this year, when I went down the river, I incorporated that into sort of the expedition I did. And uh, you know, I tested it. And I got a company on board, and I and I stretched their planning. And so you know, at best, it looks like maybe five to six hours, um, and that's if everything's good, the weather's good. And depending on where you are, depending on how much snow melt has been in the river that year and how high it is or how low it is, yeah, it, there's a lot riding, and it, and it, it is no guarantee. So, you know, 
you, you, you're dependent on each other in the other races, and, that, and that's as good as it's ever going to get. Yeah. Up there's a depleted population. There's less reason to cover it. Um, so it, it's that's a challenge within itself. So, like you said, um, you've got to have the skills and drills. You've got to be wide tight as a pair. You've got to know each other. You've got to be a cross skill. Uh, both be out of Matt Reed, both be able to use a satellite phone. Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot. The, the, the paddling is the easy bit, eh? It's the yeah. rest of it in preparation. Yeah, I was talking to um, to Ben Schmidt after the race. and Great guy. Yeah, he's amazing. And I just, you know, was thinking about what you just said of probably the most, I would say the most important decision you can make in the race is a choice of a partner. And the fact that he jumped in with a total stranger yeah. was to me, that's next level. That's just, that's, I don't even know how, you know, especially just, you don't know what the person's going to do and you know, everybody hits their lowest point out there and you just, yeah. you have to see somebody at their all time worst. And especially if you don't know that person. I mean, that's, I tip my hat to that guy. Every time I think about it, it's just like, Holy crap. That must've yeah. been a long eight days for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, both of those guys. I mean, they just, I mean, they just, they, they, they were making some ground that the last couple of days. They really were kind of putting the hammer down. Yeah, that, that adversity will, it'll do one or two things. It will galvanize you, it will pull you apart. And, yeah. yeah. Or, or it'll do all of it. Um, yeah. But it, it seems to work. But, you know, Ben's, Ben's an asking guy who lives out in the bush. And, you know, he, 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 as far as I'm concerned, um, his partner Croft massively. He's, he's a, He's a veteran of the race, but he knows what he's talking about out there for sure. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I didn't yeah. realize he had done the race, um, I think, in the like 2009 or yeah. 2010, something like that. Um, I was looking at the race history a few days ago and, and saw his name pop up a while ago. And so I, I hadn't realized that he had already done yeah. it and was familiar with He's coming back for round three. Wow. He's, yeah. He's, yeah, he's he's back this year. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. I'm sure he'll be back again. So yeah, <laughs> they're we're bringing a. I think they're bringing a proper boat this year too. I think they're bringing a uh, slingshot from up in uh, up in Canada, a real race boat. Yeah, he is, and he's he, he posted some pictures up in training uh, over Christmas, and uh, it looked pretty hard. Eh? It looked pretty yeah, pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. What year did you do the race? So I did it when I was 16, 2016, and. What was your time? So, we seven seven days, eight hours. Yeah, so some around that, I think. So um, we we ours was so Peter Coates set the race up. Um, essentially, he wanted to see if the canoe could beat the kayak over a thousand miles because it never won on the quest, and so that was his original idea. Uh, and so that was the first year that it happened. So kayak came third. So we were beaten by uh, a team. So. Um, Two great blokes, Terry and Brad, are still sort of sending messages now and again now. And that's, that's the great thing about the race, eh? I'm a competitive bloke and I've always wanted to win or do well at whatever I've done. But you know what? Genuinely, when I got out the end, I'd have been a little bit sad if I'd have beat these two guys. They were uh, the older guys, right? Mate, they were bears. They were bears of bears. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were 60, 67 and 65, okay? Yeah, and they, they, were, they were top blokes. And so... There was a couple of teams that were uh, that were a little bit competitive and standoffish, and um, these two guys had arrived. Half their bags didn't turn up from um, the US airline, um, so they, half their food was missing. And so 
we gave them like half our military rations. So I, was, I was still serving at the time. And um, they were like sort of guys, they were like, um, they'd, we'd, they'd seen us the day before paddling and came up and said, hey, you guys got some great kit, but you haven't got a clue what you're doing. And we were like, <laughs> we were like yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And he gave me, he gave me three snippets of advice that was amazing. And I, I, I still stick with it now whenever I'm paddling. And, you know, he essentially said, stay with mass. Um, stay, you know, stay with mass. Don't chase, chase currents across the river for something this long. Stay in mass. Um, you know, he then said that, um, you know, about it's a, it's a long old day, eighteen hours of fuel in your body. And then he gave me some great advice about, particularly the flats. He said, when it's when it's chaos and you don't know where you are, um, you know, remember that water's not lying; it's pulling you towards the sea, essentially. And that year was a really bad year. The flats were like really high. We were like paddling through little pine forests and stuff. It was surreal. It was r- really horrible. I've been up there three times since now, and it was the worst time easily. Or maybe because it, it was the first, it felt like it as well. Once you've been through it once, you kind of know, don't you? But these these guys were legends, and they were yeah, they were bears of men. Uh, and I always remember Terry, like '67 uh, Vietnam, that he um, he, we we're all in our like kit, you know, our outdoor kit that we wear, Under Armour and stuff, and all the fancy stuff. He got into his boat in a pair of jeans. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so old school. So cool. You know, really. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was the race I did it. So, yeah. And how uh, old were you at that time? I was 39, yeah. 39. Yeah. Did they yeah. Back when Peter was still running, there was a Voyager class I saw from one of the old one, the old website. It looked like they were they had a Voyager one year. Yeah, so they had Voyagers, and they also had um, – he did the first sup people and he did um, solo canoeists as well. And wow. so yeah, for me, I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna go that way. I think uh-huh. you've got to be I think you've got to be in a pair, regardless. Yeah. And, and you guys know I say to the sup people, uh, I brought it back in and it's quite a strong community that sort of reached out to me and said, Hey, it's under new management, would you consider? Absolutely. Um, I said, Look, you guys have got to stay within fifty meters of each other. There's no yeah. big big gaps and so we've got, we've got five teams I think this year that are, that are going to race down there and they're going to under the advice of Bart and everybody else from last year all 18 um, they're going to set off 24 hours before oh no kidding yeah yeah so that, was, that was kind of that was the, so I, I reached out and sort of asked for feedback of what people thought especially that community and that you know they said um, a lot of races do it um um, if you set them all 24 hours before, it's, it, it's not a bad thing. And it's just gives them that chance to get across the lake. Yeah. The fire wants to get across the lake and the fire wants to get a bit of pace uh, and they're moving and they're competing. And once the canoe people come through, hopefully around the flats, they'll be sort of in the middle of that field, you know, and that's, you know, you know that's the danger point. But it all, everywhere can be the danger point, but that's, yeah. that's a high risk area. Any, any return teams from uh, 18 or uh, stand up? Uh, no. No, so Bart, Bart, Bart reached out and he wanted to do it on his own. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm never going to get insured for that. Um, no. And I, even if I could, I'd be uncomfortable doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's a good choice, I think. I think there are some moments out there with, I don't know if, if Will hadn't been there, it could have gotten ugly pretty quick. I don't know yeah, I actually, and to reinforce that, I landed in a place uh, this summer called uh, Russian Mission, uh, right up uh, on the way out to the Bering. And uh, um, they hadn't they'd seen one other person uh, the whole year. And this guy was, uh, I think he was German. 
he'd come in a kayak on his own and um, he, he, he got out of the kayak, he gave it all his stuff away and said, just get me a plane out of here. And when the locals sort of said, you know, what happened? He said, it was all going well till the, till the bear jumped in his canoe with him. Um, you know, and he realised that I'm on my own here. If I get wow. wounded, injured, um, well, you, know, you know, you're not, you know, if you're unconscious, whatever, you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's just too big a risk. And, so, uh, you, you've yeah. mentioned it a couple of times now. Um, just tell us about this trip that you that you did this summer, because um, it was a little bit different than the Yukon race itself. Uh, but it it was a trip in the Yukon. Uh, just yeah. kind of go over. Tell us about that. And um, before you start, what is is it pronounced Grenadier? Grenadier, yeah, Grenadier. Grenadier. Yeah, so um, it's my old regiment. So um, really old historical regiment. It's kind of where I started my service um, back in the in, in the early nineties. And um, I uh, we, we we have a concept in the British military. Um, it's called adventure training, where we have guys all over the world and do whatever, and they 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 they, they support it. And um, Essentially, I uh, you probably got the same thing I have. When I got out at the Dalton Highway Bridge, um, I think some people were glad to get out, and some people wonder what's around the next bend. Yeah. And for me, for me, I was always curious what's around the bend, and then I came away, and it always felt a little bit undone for me, you know, unfinished business. And so, I sort of before I left the army, as I was leaving, transitioning, I sort of I thought, okay, I can, I can, I can organise an expedition. And um, so, yeah, so we're going to ex- expedition to go right from the source up in Lake Bennett all the way to the Barren Sea. How far is Lake Bennett upstream from Whitehorse? Uh, maybe 200 miles. Wow. So, um, and, and so how, how many so right, miles is the trip total? Uh, it's about 1,986 miles. Did you have to fly so, the boats up to that lake? You catch like a, a freight train. Oh. It goes over the way. I go. Goes over to. Um, it resupplies Skagway, Alaska. So it goes through um, into British Columbia, um, up uh, right at the source. And you start at the little beautiful little stream um, that um, the first settlers, the pioneers. I love researching all that. You know, they climbed over the mountain from the sea, uh, which was it's about thirty mile walk. Um, they cut all the pine trees down at the lake, which still haven't grown back over a hundred years later. Wow. And they built, built these little boats and, and, and they went all the way to sort of Dawson for the gold rush. So um, some remarkable people. I could talk about that all day. Amazing people. And so we started at that point, dragged all our kit down, um, started at that point, And I wanted to do it inside um, 35 days. Was, the only people I could, I could track down a, a set of Finnish guys that uh, claimed they had the record. They'd done it in 35 days. So I kind of wanted to really stretch myself and the blokes and push it, see what we could do. And so with all, all our gear, completely unsupported, everything with us. Um, and, and so these, it was and all these guys were British military as well? All these guys, all these guys were serving in my, in my old regiment, Grenadier Guards, so they're all, okay. all serving, uh, serving soldiers. And um, I'd, run like a, I'd run like a selection um, in the unit to take them. Uh, pretty brutal. I <laughs> made it pretty horrible for them. And, uh, and I whittled it down. So the youngest was... 21. Um, uh, then the next oldest was 28, and then myself. And and, uh, and we went for it. And the guys did good. The guys did really good. And we, we 28 days. 28 yeah. days. Wow. 28 days, yeah. Yeah. How many yeah, so How many days? How many hours a day were you in the boat? 
So we'd go for a between 14 and 16. Wow. Yeah, and we never had a day off. Never took wow. a day off. So it, it, it's, it's a bit easier than the, on the 1,000, if I'm honest. It's yeah. been easier than I expect. Uh, I think I didn't anticipate the weight of the boats. You know, it was like... It was like steering a freight train, you know. It was, it was pretty, <laughs> for the first for the first forty days, it was, it was, pre, it was pretty horrible. Wow. Um, what were you using for boats? Did you have big eighteens or did you have smaller ones? So we had um, uh, we had two clippers originally, but then well, the chap that we were getting one of the clippers from, it swapped it for a husky um, the week before we the week before we got there. So we had a we had a clipper and we had a, an old town seventeen and eighteen footer. Wow. So, but if I'm honest, the, the, the old town was better. The smaller one. The, the, well, it was, it was a foot smaller, but they're a bit yeah. wider, you know. Oh but yeah. Over, over that distance, it was just better, and it handled past the bridge. There's some really long straights up in Alaska, 50, 60 miles straight, and uh, you know the, the waves are unreal. Really. And, um, if we had to pull over, it was because of the clipper. Um, whereas the old town was, it was pretty robust. You know, it's pretty solid. Waves, waves coming to your bow or waves from behind? Straight up, straight up. Oh here. man, yeah, it was extraordinary, mate. I'd read some, I'd read what little stuff there is about it up there, and I was kind of, yeah, it's a bit of, bit of spin on that, a bit of fiction, uh, and yeah, for sure, mate. I'd, I'd read stories of six foot waves, thinking, yeah, that's fiction, but they're up there. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing. There. Yeah, and the river yeah. was like, the river was at its lowest in maybe a hundred years when we were there. Really? Yeah, there's a couple of stories people were finding swords and stuff wow. in and around in and around Whitehorse, you know, where the water was so low. They found a paddle steamer they didn't know it was there. Um, it was so low, and it was it was worrying because I didn't think that it, it was going to happen. Just getting onto like, the barge was was a challenge. You know, we had to get out and drag over sandbars and stuff. Wow! And was, oh, wow. And there was nobody that had been across the barge onto the river yet, so we were right at the beginning of June. So I had I had the Yukon Quest and everybody like waiting to, for feedback on satellite phone if it was doable because people were worried it was so low. Um, but actually, as you as you got up, you know where the White River and stuff is. Mm-hmm. When the other water started feeding it, 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 it was okay. Yeah, it was, it was okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I think in eighteen, the year we did it, I believe it was a drought because there were some really hot days in there and and. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like a sl- – what's the record? You say 149 hours, so that's like six days and five hours or something is the course record? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like, a lot of that probably has to do with flow. A lot of it does, mate. Without, without, it, it's, it's flow and it's, and it's wind. And so most people think that the, the river is glacial melt fed, but it's not. It's snow melt. Mm. You know, and if, if it hasn't snow, snowed a lot in the, in the winter season, you know, it's, it's just not yeah. – it's no good. So – um, and, and that's the big deal. And also the wind. If you if it's not windy, you've always had a couple of seriously windy days. Yeah, uh, towards the end, thankfully. We had we had downwind conditions across the lake. We had a slight puff of breeze at our back. It was yeah. it was an amazing I and mean, we got through the lake and it was like, holy shit, that was incredible. We got so lucky. Yeah. yeah. And we got slapped in the face in the flats and we paddled up upwind for like three days straight. Yeah. And it it was pretty pretty miserable <laughs> yeah yeah it's but, something about when you get to the flats all the way up as you're saying this year the wind was just at you all the way yeah um, yeah it's horrible and that's so, what house, i mean horrible but fun yeah yeah <laughs> how's the uh, are you keeping track of this of the snow accumulation this year for next for uh the coming year yeah i am it's, it's, it's the snow there but it's um you, it's pretty hard to get information out of there right? 
Yeah. It's yeah, pretty cell, tricky. Cell phones don't even work up there. It's pretty it's pretty tricky, yeah. So I've got a couple of mates up there and just sort of keep an eye on it. But there's, there's, yeah. there's a good there's a good amount of snow. Hopefully we get a bit more over the next month or so. Yeah. Uh, and and we're all good for the summer, yeah. But, did anything go wrong during your trip? Uh did anything go wrong? Uh I mean if you blasted it in you know, twenty eight days, things clearly went pretty well, but yeah, they went well. Um, I think, like, like you say, you know, it was a good reminder for me that it's those small little moments, as you guys will know, when you both go, okay, let's take a five-minute break, and you sort of sit back in your chair, you put your legs up to stretch out, you may have a little power nap, but you're drifting. Next thing you know, you wake up and there's some great big tree that's that's been coming downstream, and, you know, it's it's about five metres from your boat from taking you out, and it's a big old log. You know, it's yeah. those moments where you go, oh, man. There was, there, was, there was a few of those moments, and there was one in particular uh, where we we, we, we would short the bridge, actually, just going past Stephen's village. And the ice must have pulled this little island up with loads of trees like a big bird's nest. Uh, and for some reason, it was probably about 10 at night, and it was like a whirlpool. It was really surreal. Uh, and we got sucked into it and we went down. Whoa. And, uh, yeah, the water came over. It was unbelievable. I just hadn't seen it before, hadn't seen it since like a whirlpool and it just sucked us down water came over uh and lucky it didn't throw us but we had enough buoyancy and equipment and barrels and stuff in there that we just we just paddle out of it um had it headed for land and bailed but that was it was a long way and, and the ice had carved the banks up so anywhere would have been a long swim it'd have been one, yeah. of, those moments, it'd be one of those moments for sure yeah because, um yeah if you'd have gone in not great yeah, isn't there a, a, a whirlpool right around there somewhere? In one of the books, it mentions a whirlpool somewhere before yeah. Stevens, I think. We never yeah. saw it, but yeah, and it's beyond island. Beyond there's a little island on the way out now, and I think it's just the slope as it slopes in, doesn't it? Comes, oh, comes yeah. past and slopes down, and there was a big kick of wind as well. So that's the beauty of the river, and that's the beauty of the other. You don't know what's under the water, do you? You know, you don't. Yeah, it's under there. Um, I was amazed at. Being in the back and trying to, you know, being a more of a steering person, though. but I think it, it affects everybody. But those eddies, when you'd hit one of those eddies and all of a sudden the boat's just sideways and it's just, oh, there's so yeah. much water moving out there. You must have been yeah. a huge rock or something underneath or. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, those near misses where you're looking at the GPS and you go, hey, we're doing really well, 10 miles an hour. And then you'll go past some inverted log. Yeah, that, that if you took it, if you'd have hit it, you know, you, yeah. a small car crash, you know, you, you're coming yeah. out of that boat. Yeah, and, and that's, I, that's that's the risk, eh? Yeah. Any uh, substantial wildlife experiences on your uh, source to sea trip? So yeah, obviously uh, halfway. I think we were about uh, circled. We met the salmon migration. Um, oh wow! And it was uh, it was amazing. Eh? You could you could feel it in the water. You know, wow. you, could, you could sort of feel it, um, and it, it was just probably about a day short of circle. So, yeah, no eagle, no circle. Sorry, yeah. And we, because we got out there, and, and uh, we we then saw our first people coming out to set traps and stuff. Uh, it'd been a lengthy time before we'd seen anybody, and uh, yeah, you could see it in the water in the shallows. You could see them pushing through. Wow, uh, it was impressive. Um, a lot of moose, a lot of bears, and clearly the more the more past civilization you get the, the more wild it is but we saw everything so it's wolf lynx bear wow 
um, everything. But actually, probably Bear is probably one of the worst signings I've, I've had for Bear. But it makes sense. So in June, they're pushing up the, the small tributaries, to easy salmon or easy salmon fishing. You know, by the time the Yukon Thousands is on, they're pushing out of them now because the salmon's dying. Oh yeah, and coming closer in. So, um, so June was like a better month to stay away from bears. Um, yeah, there's not definitely not as many. Yeah, yeah. June, yeah, yeah. But we saw everything. We were lucky. We saw everything. Yeah. Yeah. When does that migration end? Because I remember when we were coming out of the lake, when the water in the river was still really clear we kept seeing these kind of white masses of like this fleshy matter. And I didn't know if it was a, like an algae or if it was leftover salmon carcass or I couldn't figure yeah. out what it was. Yeah. It's a, it's those salmon skins. Uh, it, it's a, yeah, it's like it'd be the salmon skins, but they're pretty much dying from around. Cause you can see them at the bottom that, you know, the hydrodamy white horse. Yeah. They're, they're turning black and, and, and a, or a deep red and, and, and they're dying. But, um, we managed to get a few big salmon, um, and have a bit of fresh, fresh fish on the, on the, on the way. Nice. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing experience. A couple of fishermen would stop if they saw us and give us a couple of fish, but wow. it, it was just, too, it was too big. You know, we, we felt guilty. Yeah. And also you kind of, if we prepared one and ate one, then we'd move, um, Yeah. you know, mitigate any sort of bear issues. Yeah. We'd, we'd move. We, we run a tight ship, you know, whenever you paddle it in, you take it off and leave it on the shore. So you didn't go to bed at night smelling of your food and stuff. And oh, yeah. Just eliminate all risk of any issues. Yeah, we in our uh, in our green nature on day one, we got out of the lake, and I think we were both a little delirious, and we were thinking, I think it was my idea probably, but I said, oh, let's, let's pull over. You know, it was like it was like 8 o'clock. I said, let's pull over and cook our meal on the side of the bank, and then we'll – clean up and then we'll go find camp and we won't have any food stuff. So we pull over on this little Island and uh, we unpack the whole boat, everything's scattered all over the beach. And then all of a sudden we hear this talking and we look up and it's, it's uh, Sally and um, Paul. Paul and they were, and they were just, <clears throat> they came right up. I was like, Oh no. So we, we, we took our half cooked dinners, threw everything back in the boat and, and cranked on for two more hours to try to keep up with those guys. And, we were so green. I mean, we, we probably pulled over on the lake three or four times to take pisses. And, you know, we didn't figure out the pee jug until day three or two. And it was amazing. We had no idea that people were just in the boat 18 hours. And that was that, you know. Yeah. We had visions of cooking food in the boat, too. And yeah, that was that was a dumb idea. That's not yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, the year I did. It was two, two. I think they were Kenyan guys to um and they put a jet ball on the front of their kayak and they rigged this thing to, so they could cook on the move. Really? And uh, yeah, they, when, when they landed, the guy had no eyebrows and a tight head. <laughs> um, so, so clearly it didn't go well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were thinking we were going to have all kinds of stuff. Like we brought the stand up paddles. Like, oh, if our, if our, you know, if our butt gets tired and we want to stand up, we can just paddle. But uh, we had maybe two close calls of the thing kind of started to go over and we, we ended up catching it. But, yeah, standing up and cooking and anything else in the boat that's not sitting and paddling and maybe taking a leak in a jug is not really happening. It's uh, it's very different. But yeah, I mean, I mean the kit, the kit's out there to be able to do it. You just gotta. So this year, I sort of we took these little MR, the, the US or German, I think, but the US MRE heaters and you sort of you put a bit of water in it, self heats. Oh no right. way! Yeah, we used so at lunch we'd we'd have one of them. Oh so yeah. 
so eat a hot meal on the move and then at night, uh, you know, a jet boil or build a fire, put a pot over it and then uh, hydrate through that way. So, so it's um, like a little a little hand warmer packet that goes against the MRE. Yeah, and it, it's the race in that aspect plays well to soldiers. They can, you know, do, turn that stuff around pretty quick. They're used to it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you, you're familiar, familiar with it, so it makes it loads easier. Yeah, you know, one thing that Patrick and I talked about a couple times is that how the, the more we got into the race, the more we realized it was more of a military campaign than it was a, yeah. a new race. And, uh, you know, every, you know, it, if you had everything dialed in to a, a certain certain method of, of getting it done, then you were going to be successful. But if you I don't know, just tried to go through with brute force and ignorance, it wasn't really going to go for you. So Yeah, you're right. It's definitely strategic, isn't it? You know, you've really got to. And even when you know, even when I did the race, and I'm, I'm obsessive. Even when went down there, the, the, did, did it again this year. There was little bits of things that I was like, "Why don't I, why don't I do that? Why didn't I think about that?" Or you know, it's, every time you do it, and that's the beauty. Every time I've been down the river, it has been different, a different experience. Yeah. It's looked <clears> different every single time. It's yeah. been different. You know, even even your guys, when you guys did the race, you had the big bushfires, didn't you? Yeah, we had quite really a few big fires. fires. Yeah, and that was like um, that was the first time that anybody had ever talked about it. And so when I prepared for the expedition this year, I took it into consideration, and we and we took like swimming goggles and, and these respirator things. Um, and so, funny enough, there were some really massive bushfires this year, and uh, that's why I now put it into the packing list. You know, people have got to have a, a you know an industrial oxygen mask, set swimming goggles. Oh um, yeah, yeah. So I think we were we were far enough ahead that. The fires hadn't gotten as bad, I think, as uh, for people behind us. So yeah. we just threw our, you know, our our um, our neck gaiters over our mouths and, and noses, and we just kind of kept on and didn't really didn't really burn our eyes too badly. Um, yeah. And I think it's because we were kind of on the forefront and we were able to push past it before it got too bad. Yeah. That first day, right when uh, wherever the wife joins up, that was the first big one. That was really that was kind of a surreal day. It was, everything was pretty clear and we could see it coming from uh, that last clear section of the Yukon. And then as soon as we hit the white water, the, the water turned white, the sky went gray with smoke and the, yeah. and the temperature increased about 10 degrees. And it was, it was a completely Martian environment. It was so crazy. Just, you know, tied yeah. the cloth around the face. You guys actually brought respirators, huh? Yeah. It's not, funny enough. Uh, probably undercooking it, but the last, the last week on the expedition this year, it, it was so bad it blocked out the sun for the entire week. Wow! There, there, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was no, there was no wind, and it's completely blocked out the sun. Hey, uh, just no wind for the last week, and it was, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty sad. It's a pretty sad way to finish it, you know. Yeah, it really, it really was. It's only probably the last 50, 60 miles that, that the sea, the sea air kicked in and blew it away. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So hopefully that's not a regular thing up there. But yeah. Um, I guess it's nature, isn't it? Nature does it. Yeah. Uh, are there any other changes that you've made to the kit list for this year? Um, uh, what have I, no, that's that's about the only one I, I've sort of put in. But it's um, it's interesting the the sort of emails that you get back challenging you, you know. And so, and that's the bit that worries me as a race organizer. When people sort of you've accepted them, they're well into it, and they email you and say, "Hey, listen, uh, we're not going to take tents. We're going to take hammocks." Not, okay, you know, it's not you know, a like, good idea. You're sleeping yeah, on the ground. I tried, 
to anyone listening, that's, yeah. that's not a good idea. And, and so you sort of think, okay, I don't really. And so I sent, you know, I sent out the video uh, link web uh, PowerPoint brief. I did it for your race, and I've done it again yep. this year. And I, and, I, and I try not to be sort of too too. The whole concept is expeditionary, yeah. And then you go away and you do your research, uh, and that you you plan for it. And so, if somebody tells you everything to do and provides you a map and everything else, you're not going to invest in it. And so, but it's I say on it. Listen, if you if you if you if you're going to email me questions that you can research and answer yourself, then just think about that before you email me because it's going to erode my confidence in your abilities. But I get some stupid questions, eh? And so, <laughs> I, I, I really hate to say that. You know, I really hate to say that because everybody's different. But if you've made the cut for this race, you've got a certain amount of, you know, cognitive ability for starters, and, and you're the right mm-hmm. person that appreciates, respects the outdoors. But some people, I'm afraid, are lazy and just won't go on Google and do a little bit of research. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get some crazy ass questions. Uh, mm-hmm. I really do. But if I'm honest, I just ignore them. Yeah. Otherwise, I just open myself to. Yeah. To, to chat and if, if I get a third one from the same person and they get a warning um, yeah. um, and so I've got no I, I, I don't like moral courage in that respect if I don't think you're up for it and I think you're a little bit off, off the beat then you know, you, this is a race for you yeah. and I think I think that's a strong point you bring to the race as a new organizer and it's a stereotype I know but I think that you bring a much more you you kind of not depersonalize it, but you make, you make it business. It's not about being somebody's, I think Americans tend to try to kind of sugarcoat things and they try to please people. I think Americans are more like they want to make everybody happy. And I think what you bring to the table, not to say you're not a nice guy, but you have a very military aspect that you bring to it. That's here's the rules, obey the rules or you're out. And that's, that's huge. I think it's very important for, uh, not only a successful race, but the safety of everybody else. Sometimes people need to hear that they're not prepared and that this is no joke. So yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that's really kind of you. And I think, I think I always remember sort of like you do when you when you're experiencing it. You think, hey, if I was running this, how would I do it differently? You know? Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was doing the thousand, and, and so Peter is a top bloke and he's a great guy, and I, and I respect him hugely. But I, I kind of remember asking him before I did the thousand. I said, Have you done this race? And he hadn't. And so. <laughs> And I'm sure he's done the distance and he's done other stuff that's challenging, but you've got to live the experience. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so you've got to, you've got to understand. And so I know that's 18 hours on day two that you've just feel like that you've played the all blacks rugby team on your own. Uh, <laughs> and they've got a wind machine. Yeah. And, and you feel pretty beat up and you're feeling pretty yeah. rough and kind of, you've got to have that mindset from the ground perspective when you're planning it. And you've got to, you can't lie to people. You can't sugarcoat this stuff. No. I don't. I'm not sure there's another race. You know, even I'm looking at stuff at the pole now. The polar regions. You probably, and this is dealing with the company that are doing the um, global rescue. It's probably the most extreme race for rescue in the world. You know, and that's. And I've been to these locations. So you can, but polar regions. You're probably more likely to get out of there uh, wow. if something goes wrong. Marathon de Sables out in Sahara Desert. I spent years living in the desert. Easy, no worries. You, you, you're, really, you're really out there, um, and, it, and it's just, it's just who do you call uh, the local expert? So, you know, they tap into a network of bush pilots um, that they use, and it's if they answer the satellite phone uh, and they're, they're free to fly, then, then that, that's going to make the process speedier. And that's why I always drop when I'm briefing the analogy in, in you know, 
if you've got a p- pocket knife and you've got a piece of string you need to cut, do you need to cut it? Is it essential you need to cut that string? You miss, you poke yourself in an artery. It's yeah. the little things. It's, it's, yeah. it's you know. And so I, I, I hammered up. I don't think I hammered up. I think I'm just honest at the start. People that finish tend to go, yeah, okay, get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's probably right. And so as much as I enjoy it and watching your faces when you get out the end of meeting you guys, is yeah, it's awesome. You know, and so we've still got this contact now. Yeah. It's, from, it's a phenomenal network to, to sort yeah. of to tap into. It really is. But my priority is for, not, for nobody to die through neglect or when I did the thousand, if I'm honest, there were one or two teams that shouldn't have been there. Um, and that was my thoughts at the start and the end of the race. They shouldn't have been there. And I found myself worried about them, hoping they'd make it to the end. They were just my thoughts. It doesn't mean I'm yeah. right. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully that, that doesn't happen on the thousand. What was your, um, what was your biggest challenge when you did it the first year? I, I, for me, it was the sitting. The sitting was almost unbearable. Well, it was unbearable at times. It was, Literally the third day, I had to rig up a, a system on my PFD where I tied off a rope to my chest and then I lashed it to the gunnel forward of my station, and it literally gave me something to lean into because I couldn't sit up anymore. It was it was so painful. Thank oh God he did too because he was crying as a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I went to two boxes of tissues. So I was I was I was really lucky. So my mate who I did it with Archie had bought this um, like a thermarest seat thing. Yeah, and, and he tapes it on, and he was like adamant this 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 work. Oh, those, we, uh, those those chairs with the straps, right? Yeah, yeah. So he had this oh, like wow. thing that, that he was like this work. And we spoke to a couple of mates that had just rode across the Atlantic, and clearly your ass takes a you know a hiding. And so, but the two Brad and Terry, the guys that won it the, the year I did, that these guys were like rowing legends or paddling legends all over Maine. They did this whole canoe circuit thing, and so they pulled out these two like seating mats. That I, I could only describe it looked like the Turin Shroud. You know, they were so old. And they, <laughs> they, they, had, this, they, had, this, they had this fascinating thing where they just had like uh, foam mats, sleeping mats, cut into like a square, taped on top of each other. And he'd have a, a pocket knife in his pocket. And so wherever he was feeling a bit odd, he just cut a hole out. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to give this a go. And uh, for me, it worked great. But I will say, the clipper canoe, as you guys will know, it's a great canoe. The seats are horrendous. And doing doing the um, all the way to the sea this year, the seats on a uh, on a normal canoe are much more appreciated. It's that back bit, you know, the rise bit. Uh huh. The tractor hits, seat, yeah. Yeah, it hits the, just the bottom of your ass. Yeah. Oh man, I could say for like twenty days, it was just like my whole body was numb, and uh, <laughs> I was hate I hate you getting in the clipper, but um. Yeah. Yeah, your, the, your ass is an issue. You need to sort of mentally prepare yourself. Yeah. And you need to, um, you, like you guys know, if you're feeling a rub, you need to get on it straight away. Yeah. If you leave it, oh, yeah. leave it, leave it another hour, another two hours, and you, and it's you need drones rushing. Somebody's come past you or catching you in a canoe. Yeah. You're like, don't worry about my ass. I've got to keep paddling. And then you get out that night and you think, oh my god, what happened? Yeah, yeah. I left it for like two days. Oh my. <laughs> Yeah, probably the most uncomfortable part of the race for me was having to pull Will's ass cheeks <laughs> apart and check out the sore. <laughs> it, it was like I've never done this, so it was probably never do it again. But it was it was fine. All part of the bonding process, yeah. It's all part yeah. of team build, team building. Yeah. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, is there a way? Is is there a way to negate it? I don't think there is. You're gonna, no. you're gonna, you're gonna feel. It doesn't matter how old you are, how fit or healthy you yeah. are. Yeah. You're gonna feel you're gonna feel cracks and you know when I did the thousand I was really big into my CrossFit mm. probably weighed about ten kilos heavier you know I was I was on the edge of competing and I I, I considered myself in pretty good nick uh, but I tell you what and, and so the guy I did it with was was he, again military but he was like starting to compete he was like seriously fit bloke maybe the fittest bloke I've ever worked with but uh, yeah with sort of day three our bodies felt. You know, some of those exercises that I don't do now because of it, you know, that look cool in the gym, but they've got no, <laughs> they've got no practical life experience. You've got to, yeah. so you've got to work out that. And so when I, when I went back this year, there's certain, there's certain exercises I thought two months out, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to do that. I'll do something else in, in place of it. Um, you know, because those shoulders, you know, little things and cracks that, 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 that you know, that all comes undone on, on that race. You know, it does, you know, it yeah. really does. Yeah. 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 What, what, what kind of regular training were you doing leading up to your thousand race and then uh, leading up to to the Grenadier? Um, so the thousand one, I was, <laughs> I, I was probably doing a couple of wads a day and then I'd do a, a run, a minimum, okay. sort of a five or, 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 or a row. And so I was, I was training pretty hard, but probably the wrong training. But I guess, uh, you know, there's that element of what's in your mind, isn't there? And, yeah. and, and the sort of background I have in the military, I've, I've done some pretty, pretty, pretty serious endurance events along the way. So I knew mentally, long distance, I could, I could do that. And so, uh, but for the thousand, uh, nothing to do with age, but I took much more better approach. Put on a couple of kilos because I knew I was going to burn it. Um, looked a little bit at what I was going to eat and what my calorific burn was going to be like, and then just stayed with lots of rowing, lots of shoulder, back, lots of core abs legs you know weirdly the legs can hurt hey eh? you know? yeah um, no, it, it's a full body thing it's but, a full body thing yeah <clears throat> but you and weren't going you weren't going out and paddling for six miles or six hours a day mate for, i think i think we paddled for this expedition we paddled maybe 10 hours yeah 10 hours you know it's, you, your paddling styles as long as everybody could do it your paddling style adjusts, doesn't it? And, it, and that's yeah. the thing you guys know for paddling like this you've got to adjust you know, how far your left hand's up the paddle because it's dipping in the water all the time. It's yeah. going to start turning to mush. And I learned that on the thousand, you know. I'd look at, we were chasing Brad and Terry across the lake and they were paddling a completely different way to us. And they would like, they were such legends and total legends of blokes. They'd be like trying to coach us, going, look, your hand's going to turn to putty by the end of the day if, if you're reaching too far down the paddle. And I was looking, I was looking at my hand, and it looked like out of a horror film. But I was going, "No, I'm fine. Honestly, <laughs> I'm absolutely fine." And uh, it was, it was like horrendous. And uh, and you've, you know, it, you, you, your style, the way you sit in the boat, it will change throughout the day, as you guys know, because the pain. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I don't want to undersell the race and say it's horrible, but it could be worse. You could be in a kayak. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Those I boys, didn't... those boys get out the end, and they don't look good. Yeah, I think I think every we when we came across we camped with Sally and and uh, I forgot again already. Paul, oh. we 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 camped with those guys probably three times and and the last time we saw them was in Eagle as as we went through customs, and Sally got out of the boat and I've talked to her numerous times since and she was literally like crippled like she had pinched a nerve in her back and and she was, and then I was and then I talked we talked to Wendy and Ian at the end and. 
all those guys, man, the kayakers, like being in a canoe, canoe you can kind of, you know, pull your feet up under your butt and, and move your legs around and get some different yeah. situations going. But in a kayak, you got that musty, it's just wet down there and it's closed in. And I mean, I guess if you're used to it, but it, to me, it's, it, I don't think I could finish in a kayak. Nah. Nah. Yeah. I was, I was going to go down the river this year in a kayak to give that a go, but watching how people get out the river in 18, yeah. you know, the, the canoe people by and large could keep going if they had to. Yeah. The, the, the kayak people, they're, they're, a lot of them are in pain. And yeah, yeah like, like you say, you hear all the horror stories at the end. Ian and Wendy, I think Ian had some issues with his back. And yeah. I think he's, he sat on a tennis ball for the rest of the way and that cured him or something like that. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just too, too painful, eh? I think, yeah. and, that, and the canoe, I think the canoe just, it just works yeah. for that distance a bit better. In yeah. my opinion, in my not being a kayaker, so uh, I'd like yeah. to come back and do it in a uh, in a proper race boat with a proper kit. You know, I think we had some redundant items in our boat. We were packed a little heavy. It wasn't bad, and uh, but I, I'd like to try it in a, a light, fast boat, and you know, maybe have another shot at it. You know, you think about uh, like like uh, it's just. Yeah, you, you know, it's like you say, you think about all the hard the hardships and it's like, man, do I want to do that again? But then you look at Ben and he's going for his third time. It's just a matter of getting it dialed and, and uh, it's quite an experience. Yeah. I'd love to go back and do the river without racing, you know, just do the do the thousand and stop and see the sights, you know? Yeah. I think looking to the future, I was looking, um, that's one of the reasons I'm probably – I'm going to start another race within the race. So every three years, I'm going to look at the Yukon 2000. And that's from the source to the sea. Wow. Yeah. That's With a, it'll be it'll be a small group, no more than 15 teams. Yeah. Uh, you'll you'll have to have done the thousand. Um, you, you'll have to have done the Yukon thousand. So are um, you going to run it annually now or biannually? So I'm probably going to run it annually. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Probably going to look at give give the share run out. Uh, and that, and that that sort of works for me because I'll go out there and I'll lead a couple of exhibitions before it, and then finish off with that, and then and then head home. Um, yeah. But I might even move up there as well. So yeah. So the Yukon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I love it up there. Wow. Up there, probably Alaska draws me in a bit more. But so you, when you say you're moving up there, you're talking fish wheel and blue tar pals, or like white horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'd go for the fish wheel if I could get away with it. But, yeah, um, less zombies. I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not gonna. I don't think we're gonna pull that off with the wife. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We may. We may do it for a year. We may do nice. it for a year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a stunning place. You guys know that. It's stunning. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm gonna have a look at that tour. I'm, I'm probably. I'll probably. Yeah. So I'm taking a guy out there this year. He's gonna make a mini documentary, and we'll do a bit of. I'll do a bit, bit more work on work on it, but so we'll look at. Yeah, we'll look at from the source to the sea. Um, the Yukon 2000. So Harry's out. It's just you up there. Are you going to be running all the logistics this year? You got help. Uh, yeah, I've got a, so uh, I don't remember, remember the guy that helped out with the sup. So I've, I've got a couple of people helping out. Yeah. It's just me. Harry's out. Harry's um, got his job in the city in London. He's, um, oh, yeah. he, he, he's locked in tight on that. So it's just me with a thousand. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a mate coming out from New York. He'll jump in and help out as well for a bit nice. of fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So two thousand. That's crazy. That's I got to say, it's, sorry, it's got, your name, it's got your name all over that. Oh yeah. Oh, now what about um? Don't forget the baby powder. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, is that on your kit list? It is now. Or, or, or is that something that people like to figure out on their own? Yeah. Go yeah I gotta say, the, the hardest thing for me when I after the thing was over, I probably the hardest part of the race for me was coming back home. I got so depressed because when you get out there and you're and you're there's no radio service, there's no cell service, there's nothing, and you're actually kind of tapped back into the source. You know, you, you've just kind of made that mainline connection to whatever you want to identify as God. And then to come back, and I live on Nantucket, which is this crazy high-end tourist resort island. And the and in August it's peak season, so I came home from the Yukon back to Nantucket, and it was just pink pants and Land Rovers and it was it was really I struggled hard for a couple of weeks. It was brutal, man. And I, I don't think that people factor that into the challenge of the race is the adapting back to the day to day. It's it's brutal. I mean, especially if you're if you're open and aware to that kind of thing. It's it's uh, that being said, it's it's worth the the price of admission to get to experience that level of kind of awareness for a week of your life. You know, it's I mean, I'm sure you've yeah. done plenty of things like that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It goes back to my original point. So I think it's, you know, um, you feel alive, eh? You yeah. feel alive. Yeah. You, do this yeah. stuff, you, you feel alive. And so yeah. and I think it's you as a person. So, you know, from my background experience, I'm comfortable in chaos. So yeah. I feel I feel very comfortable out there and I enjoy it. Yeah. And I, but also you've got to be a person who enjoys nature in order to enjoy that and want to go back. Yeah. So it's, it's all it's all of it, isn't it? And it's, it's the people that you meet. But you raise an interesting point and – I put it in when we did the race. I, I sort of sat on that little barge and you come past Dawson City to just give people that visual check and see if teams are all right. There's a couple of people on the edge. You know, there's, there's a couple of people that get out that are, wow, you know, what just happened there? They're on the edge. And there's a there's a bit of responsibility in the race with that and and sort of but, – but that's the great thing about the community. And, and there's enough people dragging people out at the end to sort of say, how are you doing? Have a cold beer. And, yeah. Or, 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 a, or a cup of tea or a coffee, whatever your vice is, and, and sort of talk it through. And, and so, and again, it reinforces my point, mate, about doing it on your own. You know, it, it, the wilderness can it can eat you. It can absolutely mm. eat you. And it goes back to your point of one of the points that I have tightened up on is um, the race rules is uh, uh, connection with the outside world. So um, I've been a little bit harder over this year. So all cell phones will go in a, a tamper-proof bag. Uh, and all satellite phones, I'm going to put a tag on, a tamper tag. So, and that's just because, like, as much as I want to, I want the race to be completely expeditionary. You are on your own. Your skill, your goal, your wits, your boldness, all of that matters. It, it, you know, I don't want people getting updated reports um, of where no. they are because people make silly decisions when they think that, you know, they can push a little bit harder, effective. And we, we had things came. In, in light after the race, people were using phones for social media and stuff like that. Uh, in, in 18? Yeah. And somebody somebody made a call on the, at the time of the race on the satellite phone. And sometimes when we're a bit emotional and things are a bit dangerous, we can make things sound worse than they are. But uh, we were getting contacted during the 18 race going, that, you know, people are going to die out there and, you know, people are on the edge of being killed. And I was like, well, how do you know this? Yeah. Um, and we, so... And so we incurred a couple of penalties, but um, I think this year I'm just going to be honest with the races. I'm going to zero tolerance. Yeah. Z- zero tolerance. I'm, I'm going to be a bit more brutal. I'm going to ramp it up and say, if I feel that you use the device, 
then I'm just going to delete your name from the race. Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm ramping up. So I think when I when, so when I did the race, I had I didn't have any technology. You yeah. know, I had a I had a satellite phone uh, sealed in a bag. I didn't use anything. Actually, I didn't think cell phone would work outside a white horse. I didn't even look because you're going past Dorset City to see if I got a cell phone signal. But I remember at the end people talking about, oh yeah, I got a text when I was here, and, and so we so we ramped mm. it up that day. Uh, we pushed a bit harder that day because we knew we, we were second and only ten miles behind you. And it kind wow. of always, when, I, when, I, when I did the race, it irritated me a little bit. And so when I when I came out at the end, I didn't know whether we were first or last. You know, when that's I got how out, we were. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know we were first or last. I didn't know with those islands if we'd overtaken somebody again or more teams had come past us. You yeah. know, or when when you got ground out in the sand dune, how many teams came past us? We were dragging our boat for half an hour. Yeah. You know, that's all part of the intensity of the race. Oh you know, yeah, the experience. So I've gone back to the drawing board and think how how do I how do I implement this? How do I do it harder? So uh, in the race pre brief, I've been a bit more direct. And this year, I'll just zero tolerance. That's you've amazing. Got a, it's got a two way. If I get any indication of social media before and after the race, if, you, if you're doing it, when you get out of the boat at the end, yep, we'll, we'll do a quick high five. But you're going to show me your bag with your sealed phones in it and the tamper proof bag. You're going to show me your satellite phone with a tag on it. Um, and, and that's it. You're expeditionary then. Then I believe it. And then and I, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm sort of going down the wrong path. But no, no, no. No, I don't think you are. I, I mean, um, that was one of the huge, huge draws for me was just, oh, I don't have to be in contact with civilization for a week. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> just, it just so, makes it, it makes it the real deal. Yeah, and this year, mate, I'm going to be far harder on the brief on it. You know, I'm going to say, listen, zero tolerance unless yeah. you can, unless there's a mitigate. And people just can't help themselves, you know. Yeah. They'll straight on social media and they're emailing us and saying, oh, we've heard from so-and-so today and so-and-so. And, yeah. And you're like, and other people in the race application, I guess it's for race application people, particularly celebrities that email us and say, we want to do this and we're raising this for charity and we're doing this and we want to do I don't care. You know, yeah. we've had net, we've had Netflix approach us to film it. Really? Had, yeah, yeah. We've had BBC want to film some people on it. I'm like, I don't want to be famous. I don't care. Yeah. You know, nobody's coming out on the race on boats because it's just how how my, my mind is always from the racer's point of view. The experience yeah. I that the experience yeah. I had yeah. that I had. Yeah. If I'm seeing boats cutting across to film a crew and they're sort of ten, what the support isn't it? It's, it's contact with the civilization. It is. Yeah. It's, yeah. you're doing great you're doing great it's it's something even if it's not and they say hey we're not we'll, 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 you know it's the experience of everybody yeah and so i'm not buckling to that stuff so yeah. um I'm, at the moment I, I i don't own the river so that's always going to be a trick but yeah. people just people that the emails i get about filming it and met a couple of people that want to film it and so it just i can only take 40 teams and i'm only going to take 40 teams yeah and i, I could fill the next couple of years so I, I don't need BBC to come and film it or Netflix or yeah. whoever else. It'd be cool, but um, yeah, I hate, I hate answering emails as well. So yeah, two thousand people is enough. Yeah, and I, and I think it's good. I mean, I'm all about preserving things, and I think if everything just becomes this excuse to put something to make money in in television or film or whatever. I think it's great that you're keeping it still a pure experience because that's what I took away from that race was 
probably the greatest adventure of my lifetime, going out and seeing the wild and not seeing. Granted, one day, this is just a little side story, we were somewhere and we came across these two canoes and we started looking and there's all these women in bikinis and they're drinking wine and we're like, what the hell? And we pull up and it's a, it's a frigging bridal shower party and these eight women were floating down the river drinking wine and they're all hanging out in bikinis like, hey, you guys want some wine? And we're like, uh... No, we're kind of in a race, and uh, so I remember this day because yeah. I had to take a dump. Yeah, and, that was what I was getting to. And and so <laughs> we come up on them, and I'm like, "Great, I really need to take a dump." And now there are all these people all around, and there's no place for me to take a dump. Like, why are you ruining my trip right now? <laughs> well, the best part about that was is we pulled over on that little island, and we and we ferried up around the backside. Will gets out of the boat, gets over to the bank, and drops his drawers. And as soon as he does, the two boats come around the corner and pull up right next to us. And Will's over here taking a crap, and these women are like, hey! We're like, oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're going to see on the Yukon. But by then, all inhibitions have gone anyway. You just don't care. Do you? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like, hey, guys. Yeah. It's a similar story. This year, we're going down the river, and we come around this corner, and we must be, I don't know, before Dawson. And we've like, since orange thing. We're like, what? Yeah, what's that? We're headed to it, headed towards it. And there's one of these big, uh, it's one of these big live chairs, floating chairs. And this guy's in it in his Bermuda shorts, a couple of tins, a couple of tins, couple of tins of beer. Yeah, like nothing else for miles. This bloke's in it in his Bermuda shorts, a couple of tins of beer, uh, and like a like a handheld radio. I'm like, all right, mate. He's like, yeah, yeah, just day off work. So uh, <laughs> I was like, completely surreal, you know. And you're like. And, uh, yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll just float into Dawson. My wife will pick me up. Day off. And he's like, oh, just crazy, eh? It just, it just makes it, doesn't it? Those little things that make it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so cool. So cool. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to, to ask, um, Patrick kind of brought it up earlier, but you've done a handful of expeditions now. Um, where, like, do you get – uh, like a post expedition or a post race depression. I do, uh, and it's it's interesting. You're very honest with you guys to raise that. I do, I do yeah. I, I I don't do it for the money. I, I got a pretty good pension, uh, and I um, yeah. It's it's you do because it's that it's that you're achieving something, aren't you? That's tangible. Yeah. That's real. You know that you plan for and you enact it out. It's it's not a spreadsheet. It's it's maybe maybe elements of it will be, but this is real. And and so the foresight or the lack of foresight of, of you and your cohesiveness with your partner will result in a, a bad experience. And so it's that it's it's a person. It's you at your most raw, isn't it? And as, exactly as you guys highlighted. And and if racers are going to take this podcast and listen to it, you know, you will see that other person. They will see they will see you in a view that you haven't seen you, and vice versa. And, and, and yeah, I do, you know, I do, but I, I, that's why I've always got something tucked on the horizon. I've always got something going on. I'm always planning the next expedition. Um, I've always got the stuff going on. So as soon as it's finished, and I'm, I'm kind of that, I, I, maybe I get that from the military. I was never a sort of a, a dweller mission done the day I landed, got home done. Yeah. What's next? What's next? And, and, and maybe that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I can do that. Um, I'll draw on the, the mistakes the the, the, the learn, learning accounts and then take them with me yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, 
I'm, I'm pretty honest. When I, uh, I'm pretty open on myself. I messed up, or if I got it right, and then I, I, I think if you if you can't do that, then you're not going to get better. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I was pretty messed up after after the thousand. Um, I I don't know. I was just kind of in a haze for a few weeks, and at, at one point I was just in the middle of my living room floor, just sobbing, and I didn't really know what was next or and not necessarily that I still know what's next, but, um, I just, I, I didn't know what was going on in my head. And, and I, I had depressive, uh, episodes before after big races and, uh, big trips. And, uh, but this one was, it was, it was pretty heavy. Uh, would you, would I, you say you, would you say you were like that when you got it, when you, if you don't mind me asking, would, would you say, Will that you were like that as soon as you got out of the boat? No. No, it, it took a week, yeah. week or two to set in, because uh, I, I was I was back back home on Maui, and uh, I, I remember it was just like some it was like two o'clock in the afternoon or something, and um, I was watching a movie on Netflix, having a down day, like just having a, a lay day, and uh, just sitting on my floor and just yeah, just out of nowhere, just started absolutely crying like a baby. And, yeah. uh, it, it was, you know, it was definitely because I was coming down off of, off of the high of what we had just done. And I'm just, I, I I'd like to just, I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing that it happens to people and that it's a real thing. And, um, and like you said, you do just have to, you know, realize it's a mission and it's done and what's the next thing. And I guess that's yeah. one, one way to, to not have to, uh, to go through it. Um, I, I, think, I remember you having a. I remember you having a look, Will, when you got out of the boat. I'm, I'm, I, but I, I genuinely, I remember you because I was worried about you. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, genuinely. I, I guess from experience, I can see when somebody's, you know, somebody's got a look, and uh, yeah. you, you're 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 a fit you're a fit guy, and you're a bit of a machine, and and, and, and so uh, yeah, it's that. Uh, I can't remember who said it, but it's a, it's a saying that I always use. Life has a truth true flavor for those that have tasted it they know and yeah. uh you know and it's, it's you're tasting it aren't you you're on the you're, you know you're on the, you're on the threshold it's it's yeah. a it's a it's a great experience but it, it can go wrong and you've got a lot of time in the boat to think about yeah. stuff and yeah. then when it's wind you know there's a, a lot of people at the end don't think about like yeah. you alluded to earlier will on those three days where it was solid wind you're not talking to each other for 18 hours a day because it's too windy Eight, 18 feet apart it's too windy to talk you know, maybe yeah. you'll hear the, hear the change. That's about it. it it's, yeah. it's no, so, you're, you know, you're, you're in the just, wind. You're just facing all your demons at that point. Yeah. Um, so. And you're asking yourself lots of questions. You're doing lots of planning. You're looking back. And so a lot of it's up here. And so yeah. there was a few there was a few guys got out at the end. And, uh, you know, I've caught up with them afterwards. They've made, they've made life-changing decisions from that race. Yeah. You know, there was, there was a guy from the UK who was a builder. You know, who who sort of his mate drafted him in, and he, he was like, "I'm not going home. I'm going to go travel the world now wow. for a while." Yeah, and it's, and, and it does it? Those things do it to you. Yeah. Maybe, and that's the thing. Other races that are short, a couple of days. You know, it, it's it's just that long enough, isn't it, to have that yeah. residual effect that you you go away and you, you've really got to you, you've got to. But you raise a really interesting point, and I, I wonder how many people, if they're honest. Uh, and it doesn't go away either, does it? Because in the sense no. that, you know, your metabolism's still going. I don't know about you guys, but I was burning effort. The, the amount of calories I was burning still weeks after the race because your, your engine's still going. Yeah. 
um, you, your body's still healing and repairing. And yeah. uh, I remember sleeping like a cat when I did it for like a week after it. Um, <laughs> it, it took me, I would say, honestly, I, I never had an awareness of, I don't know whether you would call the life force like chi or whatever you want to call it. But if you, if you, if you kind of use the analogy of like a cell phone battery or a car battery as your kind of your life energy, I've, I don't think I've ever felt that depleted in my life. It literally took me six months to fully be back to where I felt like I was normal and I could do the things I did prior to the race. I mean, it, it really took it down to a level in of just of exhaustion. That was nothing that I knew was possible. It, it was. It, well, that might've, that might've been part of the, part of the problem with me is cause I got home and that next weekend I went and raced. Yeah. You did like a 20 miler, um, right? <clears throat> well, I did. Um, I went to the state championships for, for outrigger. And then the week after that I did, I had a 20 miler and I, I think that's when I realized that my body was just tapped and I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't function anymore and I just needed to, to stop. So, um, but also, yeah. how do you quantify? How do you explain this in a 10-minute conversation that somebody's followed you on social media? It's hey, what happens if you come a thousand? How do you sum it up? Yeah, how yeah. do you answer that question? It's yeah, it's well, impossible. You, I've gotten that question a, a few times for a few different things. Like, oh, how was that? No, that's that's not a question that's going to be answered right now. If you can give me a more specific question, I can answer that. But the, to ask a general question like, oh, how was it? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I think if you say, I don't even know if life changing works. I mean, obviously it changes your perspective and, and perception on things, but it really is, you know, going rolling it back to what you guys were saying a minute ago about that, the post-race depression, I wouldn't even say that's a bad aspect of it. I would say that if you've done something and you've experienced something that has the capacity to bring you to tears, that's, that's it really doesn't get any better than that i wouldn't think i mean if you're if you're so sad that what you were doing isn't happening anymore then you know you were doing something right if you're living to the point of of shedding tears you're living right i mean you're so in the like you know there's a big push with awareness and being in the moment and all that and i mean i think when you're out there your your mind drifts obviously but you're there and you're you're in that you're living that life right there, right then. There's nothing else. And I, I think very few people get to experience that nowadays. It's so easy to be distracted by media or phone calls or whatever work and to be able to go and, and disconnect from everything we know as reality now and just live as an animal lives, basically. I mean, yeah. you're, you are free to the point of what the, of, of the wildlife. You know, there's freedom being, oh, I can do whatever I want to do. And then there's freedom of... I'm in the food chain freedom. You know what I mean? It's like, if I make a mistake, I die. If I run across the wrong animal, I die. And that to me is like, that's a next level of freedom that a lot of people will never experience that real yeah. true raw freedom, which is that's, that's what makes the Yukon 1000 magic. I think. Yeah. And it, so you, you raise a really good, so I had to do a bit of work on this and I had to actually do some, um, some analysis and look at this because um, the first exhibition I let, I led, I, I took, I, I saw mainly do corporate banks and stuff, and I, I did a, an Australian bank, and um, and, I, and I keep it small and finite, you know, it's really small, seven, seven to eight people, no more than that, three or four boats, keep it really small, uh, and I deliver what I want to, so I take them in the bush, 
I, I give them an intense 24 hours sort of package, first aid, all the skills, intense, hammer it, hammer it home. And then essentially I let them lead their own expedition and tail on the end. And the first time I did one, it was, it was all great. And then at night we'd build a fire, but basically they live their decisions, good or bad. So if they pull out at sort of seven at night and it's a campsite on the side of a hill in bushes, and they're like, oh, this, is, this sucks. We, you know, we want to move. No, nah, you're staying here. That's it. It's wow. too late to pack the boat up and go. You know, if, if they get wet and cold for their own error, they live it. And they, they come up with their own, they run their own expedition. I'm literally at the back making sure they don't kill themselves. And I don't intervene. I'm one of the people. And uh, one of the things I didn't anticipate was uh, the digital detox. So you hit about the three-day mark. And these guys that so you guys will know that uh, will will that are, that are pushing out 100 emails a day and, and, and they're connected to the phone and they're connected to the world. And, and so, you know, some of us of that generation were, you know, phones weren't around when we were young people. Uh, and, 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 and so on the day three of this expedition, I led, it just like the day had changed. It was a beautiful day. It was amazing. They'd sort of, they were over the admin stuff. They'd start to get it. They could pack the boat quickly, get food on, all good. But something had changed. And I, I couldn't explain it. And then we get alongside and one of the senior people on the team suddenly starts sobbing that um, that he, that he you know, uh, was disconnected and that there was no signal and he couldn't speak to his loved ones. And, wow. You know, that the connection with work and what was going on and the dynamics back in the office and was the world going to stop in his office and his business because he wasn't there. Because I collect all the phones off them and put them in a seal bag. And I, that's you. And... Um, and it was, you know, we had to pull over. And I was like, I wasn't ready for this. Wow. And I was like, you know, come on, guys. You know, it's just a phone. And it's just, and it, it caught me by surprise. And, and as it went on, they appreciated the time away from the phone. And actually, as then they got back to their home, they then, I got some really nice emails saying, you know, that detox thing was really good. And I started doing some reading on it and, and looking at it because this is going to happen again, right? Uh yeah, it's it's a it, it's a serious thing. Digital detox. Wow. Some some people are affected it more more than others. And if you're wow. in that w- world and your occupation is on the end of a phone, and particularly the guys that I take from banking and stuff, um, that they struggle. Not, I guess it's like people that have converted from smoking. You know, yeah. you, the, you know, uh, uh, and uh, they really really struggle um, to not have that connectivity as and when they want it. To not go, what what does that mean, or how do I find that out? Google. Yeah, you yeah. know um, that concept of learning from each other in the in the moment in the experience. That concept of analysing people's body language that you might not see in an everyday world because they're cold, wet, and tired, and it's different. Um, and how you manage that, and how you manage each other, and learn from each other. And so that really got me interested into it all. And so I read a bit more about it. Quite interested into in it and how how we work as people. And, um, and I've got to be aware of it in my own experience because I've, I come from a different experience and I sometimes lack uh, empathy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I sometimes pretty, I'm pretty full on and and, uh, and you've got to know your own weaknesses, haven't you? My weaknesses, I can be intense. You know, when, when that when that green light goes and I'm going, if it was to the thousand or the or the or the or the, the two thousand, you know, I, I warned my team recently this year. I said, this is my weaknesses. I'm lucky enough at 44 years old to know them, but this is my weaknesses. One of his, yeah. I'm, inten- I'm intense. Uh, when, it, when, when the light goes, I'm gone. Um, yeah. And so, but if you're still figuring that out in life, and you don't know in a physical, mixed with a physical element uh, and, and the, you know, the conceptual bit where that all works out, then it's going to unfold on things like the Yukon 1000. And 
Yeah. And you can see some people's applications are there to find that out. And that's a great yeah. thing. Yeah. You know? So it's a real subject. It's a, it really is. Yeah. This day and, and it's only going to get worse in this day and age. And actually quite sad going down, down the river this year. You now get a phone signal all the way to the end of the lake. So Really? Yeah. And so they've clearly beefed up the, the comms even a bit more. So that's why I'm going for that hard, sealed, done. Yeah. There wasn't time to look at the phone. We had too many people yeah. charging behind us to worry. Like it's a race. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no time yeah. to look at your phone. No time for yeah. selfies. Just yeah. Yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, some people do. Some or some people use the apps as a navigational piece. I bumped into loads of people this year that had some app that could pinpoint where you were, even if you didn't have signal. Mm. And again, again, that worries me. You, you know, you yeah. need a hard waterproof copy map. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so, no in all honesty, we, we, we never used the the hard maps. <laughs> oh, it all comes it all comes out of the wash, and it does, it does. It's funny because people talk about, oh, I remember when you went by Stevens Village? I'm like, where was that? I don't know where anything was. Like, only thing, the only thing I could identify in the whole race was Fort Yukon. I was like, okay, that's Fort Yukon. That's because the second place Kiwi team passed us, and we. Thought it was the first place team. We thought we caught Ian and Wendy, so we start hammering, and then they come across. We cross uh, Simon and and uh, Neil, huh? Neil, Neil, Neil and Simon. Sorry guys, to Paul and Neil. Sorry you guys. I'm just <laughs> drawing a blank today. Simon's but, coming back with his girlfriend this year, actually. Is he? Yeah, Simon's back with his girlfriend this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't. We didn't. Uh, we were lacking in the map department, to be all, to be honest. But I don't really think, you know, as we were paddling alongside uh, the 10th Life guys, they had their maps out and they were just rambling off. Oh, here we got this place coming up and this, and we were just like, <laughs> whatever. We're going downstream, man. We see the bridge. We're done. And yeah, uh, I, in a, I think, to be in all fairness, if you can, re you guys could rewater. And again, that's another skill in itself, isn't it? Yeah. You guys, you, I can see you guys on the track, and you, you could read water. You knew how to read it. You knew where you were going. You understand the flow of it. Whereas when I did it, I needed the maps. I didn't understand water. I had a freaking clue what I was doing. Maps, air photography. I, I could work off that. That's just like work. Yeah. Just go. Um, yeah. Well, all that's kind of out the door once you hit the flats because that place changes, you know, every week. It's, mate, so. it's extru absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, it's an extraordinary place, and it's. It's great to have it in the race. I mean, it can, yeah, it can, it can, teams can lose a day, you can gain a day. Yeah. yeah. Ironically, that's the one place we looked at, well, not the one place, but we started focusing on navigating by maps as we left circle and got into the, the braids. And we wound up on a gravel bar and we're just like, all right, you know what? This is stupid. Let's, and just like you said, water doesn't lie, follow the flow. And we'd come to a big split and we just, We'd lay off the paddles for a minute and we'd see which way the river was taking us and we'd drift. And then we'd look at the last second. There were a few times when we're like, oh shit, we need to be on that other. And we would hammer and we would just cut to the main channel. But I mean, we I thought we were, I thought we were had our best day that day. But then when we got out of the braids and saw Neil and Simon, we we're just like, God, what the hell happened? Then we thought, like, are we 10 places back? Are we eight places back? Like, how many spots did we lose there? And, and, uh, but that's what makes it exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, doubt. do you have, uh, if you could give one bit of advice to teams for this coming race, this 20, 2020 race, uh, what would that be? 
It would be war game. So war game is a military term, and it's like talk through every scenario. You know, know it, question it, analyze it. So, you know, okay, you fall out of the boat and you're unconscious. What are we going to do now? Can I use the sat phone? Do you know how to use it? Do you know how to turn it on, operate it? No. Okay, so we need to teach you that. Okay, if I'm unconscious, if we need mapping, just talk through every scenario. And even when you're going down the river, just do it so that you don't need to talk about it anymore, that you're confident. It builds confidence, doesn't it, in the team that, yeah. you know, you you guys come from a paddle background, you understand water. If you, if you don't and you're not used to working to, with each other, like you say, you know, you, you've got to build that trust and you've got to talk through scenarios and learn on the way. And even even with some experienced guys this year, we were, every scenario at the end of the day, we'd sort of gather around and say, okay, what near misses did we have? What didn't we get right? Let's not do that tomorrow. Or, yeah. or if this ha- if this does happen, it's out of our control. How are we going to mitigate this? What are we going to do to best resolve this situation? So it, it'd be that. And don't do it when you're there. Do it beforehand. And then mm-hmm. it should tease out all the other little stuff. You know, it'll tease out the stuff. Your body, it doesn't matter what you did before this race. You're not going to be able to replicate what it's going to do to your body for the first three days. You know, it's just different, isn't it? You're going to go at a different intensity. You're going to you're gonna hurt for a couple of days. Um, and your body's going to get used to the cadence, the distance, what you're doing to it by maybe day three. But it's just knowing that. It's just teasing through it. So it's comfort, isn't it? It's like, yeah, my body's really hurting now. Yeah, you're not alone, buddy. I'm the same. And if you haven't got that relationship with your partner where you can talk about every event, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm waffling, but essentially war game. Have an open, honest dialogue, dialogue with your partner. Understand your went- streets, strengths and weaknesses as a pair, your skill set differences, and then even it out. Have parity is my advice. Mm. Okay. Don't okay. overtrain. Don't overtrain would be the other one. No. There seems to be a lot of emphasis on that, on the, um, the social media things you see around of people talking about, I'm going to start putting in big miles. And like you mentioned earlier, I, I don't think it's necessary. I think the main thing is just getting your ass and back ready for the grueling 18 hours a day. I mean, obviously your connective tissue and muscles have to be ready for the load, but I don't think it requires doing massive overnighters, you know? Yeah. But that's just my opinion. I think the longest training pedal I had leading up to our race was maybe three hours. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could easily you could easily turn up hating it, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. too much. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Seven days of misery, hating every time you put a paddle in the water. Yeah. yeah. And one last question from me would be, have you considered or would you consider, now that there are 40 teams, would you consider an unlimited boat class? Because I found, and I'm probably making an excuse for my fitness level at the time, but there was a few days when – when we were we were back in the braids there and, and we we were with Neil and Simon and and as hard as we wanted to paddle me, we we put the hammer down. We would do these pieces where we would just smash it for about an hour and we'd look back and we got a half a mile on them and we think, oh man, we got them. And then we let our guard down, and we look up and it's like, hi Mike, how you going? And it's like right next to us. And we're like, damn. And they're just, it seemed to me like and from a hydrodynamic standpoint, a canoe is never going to be as fast as a kayak because there's four blades in the water instead of two, and it's a longer length to beam ratio. And so would you ever, having 40 teams, I mean, I know they're not rentable, but if people were willing to bring their own gear, especially on the 2000 coming up, would you consider? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. So um, that will be the aim. And the aim is that I'll probably invest in some boats as well. Um 
because uh, it is an issue renting them there. Uh, yeah. it, it, it is a bit of an issue um, because people don't, people don't by and large rent, uh, who rent stuff look after it. No. And then these race, these race canoes and stuff, they're only using them for one or two races a year. They're yeah. not going to rent them out to, to some crazy tourist who's, you know, yeah. going to beach it, beach it every night. Um, so I'm maybe going to get some of my own kit, but yeah, um, I'm absolutely open to that as long as it fits within the class. I don't really have an issue with that with with the canoes. It's, people seem to want to push the boundaries with kayaks. Um, mm. And my stipulation: if you can get ten days worth of kit in it, um, <clears throat> it it's the it's the kayaks that worry me because they you know they're easily going to go over. People underestimate the wind, um, and yeah. that spray that spray skirt's got to be well fitted. It's got to be a proper one. Um, yeah, canoe, canoes don't tend to be an issue. I'm, I'm yet to see a canoe that. Doesn't really, wouldn't really work for it. But if you can get ten days worth of kit in there and do it, yeah, um, it's the kayaks that tend to push the boundaries of what, 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 what's doable. Yeah. Um, and and I, that, I, that, go on, mate. Sorry. Oh no, I think there's a fine line there. Having done it, where there, are, if you were to to analyze the aspects of a perfect Yukon 1000 boat, obviously speed would be one, but you also have to recognize that you are going to hit that fatigue level and you need to have some stability and some carrying power for your gear. Fast is great, but if you can't sit at it when you're fatigued and you run the risk of drowning from rolling it, then that's a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No problem. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. I get a lot of questions about a, an Estonian canoe, the WX60, I think it is. A lot of people want to ride that. and I'm letting it in this year. Um, if you're reaching out to sort of the expert canoers, the kayakers, I'm letting it roll out this year. And again, it's it's a downside to this race is it constantly gets compared to the, the Yukon River Quest, which is mm-hmm. a great thing, but it's it's not the same race. No. Uh, and it does and it doesn't go in the flats. Albeit there's a bit of sort of flight flats before, but people are like, yeah, it does really well on this race. Yeah, well that race is three days long. Um it's a different yeah. load that's in the boat, it's a different load on the body, it's it's under halfway of the thousand and the thousand it's a bit more brutal up in Alaska. Um yeah. Uh, and that's constantly an argument on fighting that comes, but it does well on this race. Well, it's not that race. And and, it, and then the rental people are reaching out to you going, why aren't you taking our kit for this race? And it's it's a little bit of an issue I have. Um, and it's ongoing that I didn't think, sadly, would get involved in the race, but it is. And, and I mean, the Yukon the government is phenomenal in supporting it. They're really great. They get behind in it. They're great. But it's just that issue over the boats that's made me think, you know, I might just I might just get my own fleet Um but for the south, the two thousand, whatever you want to do it in. And, and, how, and have you, do you have forty boats? Uh, does 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 Yukon River Quest have, or how, what do you what are you gearing up with this year? So there's there's just about enough boats to do it as well, and, that, and there's just about enough boats to carry it off um, and to make it happen. Um, people hold on to boats. It's a, it's a bit of a strange setup. Um, we're probably not as well known in the local area as the Yukon River Quest because it's it's like a community thing. The local council, everybody's mm-hmm. tied into into the quest. Uh, but now Peter's running it essentially now this year. So he's me and Peter are talking about how best to exploit the future and use it. Um, but there's also a real issue in the town with accommodation. So actually, the Yukon River Quest isn't limited by boats or people. It's limited by hotel accommodation. Wow. It, the, yeah, it's, there's not enough, and so since I've opened the coach tour guide stuff, it, it's pretty it's pretty rammed, and so it's a real issue at that time to get everybody accommodated. So there's, there's a whole, but the building hotels, it's all good. I don't know if that is good, but it's mm. it's, it, it's picking up. Um, yeah. 
So we might change the race dates to go a week after the, the quest. There's a lot of people want to do the quest, take a week out and do the thousand. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we might move to change the dates. And so I'll try to work with them a bit better. Nice. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really open to that. I'm really, cool. I'm, I'm really open to that. But, but again, it lies the question that you guys ring me up and you guys say, Hey John, we're coming back to a thousand. We're going to bring this type of boat. I know that you know that boat can do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And people always underestimate the flats, how big the waves get, how rough it can get. Yeah. And that's, that's the, that's the issue I have. Yeah. So, it does, so it's not an issue of falling within a class to make the boats a, a fair match. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm not, I'm, I'm not about that. Yeah. If it's a canoe, you know, as long as it's not, you know, it hasn't got a rudder on the back and hybrid right. sort of thing. It's right. obviously a canoe. As long as it's a canoe, yeah. you know, and, it's, and, it, and it can carry the load, that's good for me. I don't care how big or long yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been an awesome talk. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope you haven't given away too many secrets of the race for, <laughs> for the competitors this year, but hopefully it's, it's maybe given, um, some people some insight both to what makes up the race and what you're looking for for future competitors and uh, hopefully hopefully it continues to grow and uh, become better and better and faster and faster each year so well hopefully hopefully, hopefully we see you guys come back <laughs> this year was just too soon for me I couldn't but I want to come back. When, when are you uh, projecting for the 2000? Do you have any kind of rough year? Uh, for, sorry, for next year. No, 2000. When would you start that one? Um, I'd probably – got to go up this year and, and do a bit more work on the safety side. And then I, I'm, I'll, I'll sort of I'll use the community I've got. I've spoken to say, like, who here is interested? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it will be the select right people that can – that can do it, you know, because yeah. it is, you know, it's a, it's a step beyond. And um, there's some logistical issues with it. Um, getting the boats out at the end, it's probably, you're probably not going to do that. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a graveyard of boats up there. Really? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Some great canoes, $3,000 canoes sat there. You're rotting on a beach. Yeah. It's there's no, there's no roads out of there. It's all plain, huh? No, no, no. It's, wow. it's, it, yeah. Yeah. It's all plain. Where do you see that anymore? Need like a landing craft to go in and pick it all up. I know, mate. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's some barge guys up there that that, that run a service. So I've got some contacts and if we we can do it, we can do it. But we'll keep it really small and keep it really finite. And it's a big, hopefully we'll get that going. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. That'll be good. That'll be a real test, eh? Yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll be back. Uh, yeah, we? I hope so. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> we all yeah. go back. I've got I've got to do it again. This year's just not happening. But now that it's I, annual, I was listening to your podcast and I was in stitches. Eh? I was in stitches because I remember watching back tracking it. And I was like, these guys shifted across that lake. But it was like <laughs> you're doing. You do this, and I was like, "Why aren't they like? Why aren't they like ahead?" I'm like, I couldn't work it out. And then I listened to your podcast. You were stopping for a piss all the time. I yeah, was, I was in stitches, mate. Yeah, in stitches. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you we, just cut. You, you just sort the drills out, and you train. You'll finish the day early, easy. Yeah, 
I know that's what we were saying. It's like, I mean, we were with we were with Ian and Wendy all the way across the lake. We left the lake at the same time, and we had stopped. Not to say those guys probably still would have kicked our ass, but I think we would have. We probably could have shaved twelve hours off our time had we. I mean, we were stopping to cool off and swim. I mean, it was in the fires. We were just overheating, so we were getting off and just laying in the water for a few minutes to get the body tamped down. But I think we we're probably the only team that was taking our time down the river and just you know let's go. Let's go lay in the water for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. a couple things, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a couple things. Well, but, John, um, thank you so much. This has been pleasure, awesome. guys. Yeah, it's been good for me, guys. I took inspiration from this. So, you know, I'm probably going to do something similar and re-interview you guys and uh, build up a like you guys are doing, a little network so people have a little bit more than we had when we did it. Um or a share experience when you watch your stuff afterwards to realize that, you know, if we can, if we can help people out the after experience to pick them up, then you guys are doing a good thing. So thanks a lot. Yeah. yeah if, it, if it helps people be safer out there and uh, have a successful trip, then, uh, then we're doing our job. Absolutely. I think so. And do you have yeah. a direct email where uh, people can reach you? If you just go to the Yukon, a thousand one up. I, I generally email. Okay. Uh, Got it. I, I'm, I'm pretty good myself or the wife or my mate picks it up and we'll, we'll, we'll fire it back. Okay. Yeah. Just no, no stupid questions. Okay, you got it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Guys, well, you thanks, take John. care. Hey, you All too, right. brother. Good yeah. to see you. See, see you guys. Take care. Take care. Aloha. Patrick and I are hoping everyone enjoyed our conversation with John. If you were lucky enough to be racing in the 2020 Yukon 1000, you were able to answer some of your questions using this in our first episode. Uh, We have some great stuff on the way, so keep tuning in, keep sharing the podcast and sending us feedback. We are so grateful to all of you who continue to listen and support us. As always, you can find us on Instagram at wicked.aloha.podcast for updates and some pretty pictures. Thank you so much, and don't forget to keep moving forward.